Does Monday at the office feel like a storm? Not with Microsoft Copilot. That feeling when Copilot gets everyone up to speed instantly? It's sunny again. When Copilot simplifies complex data so your teams can act, that sun's shining on a beach. And when Copilot uncovers hidden insights, you're on that beach with your people and you find buried treasure. That's Microsoft Copilot. Learn more at Microsoft.com slash AI for all. HB2 costs us a lot reputationally. It costs us a lot um, economically. And you hurt the people of North Carolina with that. And now you're going to do it again. I'm just love learners. I have to tell you. For the News and Observer, I'm Dawn Vaughn. And this is Under the Dome for the week of June 20th, 2022. Greetings and thanks for listening to us. I'm here with Kyle Ingram, who is our North Carolina politics intern with us this summer. Kyle, uh, welcome to the team. Thanks, Don. Thanks for having me. And you'll be here and on the podcast all, all summer long. So listeners, y'all can uh, look forward to that. Kyle has been working on a story. You're at the end of your second week as we record this about LGBTQ outlaw makers in the legislature, which is significant, especially this month because it's pride. So Kyle, uh, tell us a little bit about, about what you're working on, the story that people will be able to read soon, or maybe will have already been published by the time they're listening to this and what they're talking about. Right. So North Carolina at this moment has five openly LGBTQ state lawmakers. Now, all of these are Democrats and they're all in the state house. So there's none in the Senate. But uh, I spoke with all of them this week about what their experiences have been like and how they shape their career in the General Assembly. And of course, as you might expect, most of them right now are directing their attention towards that parents bill of rights that was passed in the Senate. Um, So as we all know, That bill is talking about banning uh, discussion of sexual orientation or gender identity between grades K through three, and then also asks that uh, any school staff notify parents if their child starts going by a different pronoun or a different name. So when I spoke with all of these lawmakers, they they shared a lot of concerns about this bill, uh, personal concerns as well. And for its capacity to have children come out before they're ready, potentially get into contentious or abusive situations with their family. And uh, yeah, so I heard a lot of um, a lot of stories from them. So legislation wise, Speaker Moore, the last time he talked to reporters, had said that it's the House may not even take it up at all. Um, It's just something that the Senate's going to do. But this type of legislation isn't the first time that North Carolina has done this. And I think HB2 is probably the bill that that people in and outside of North Carolina are most familiar with. Who of the lawmakers you talked to mentioned that? Do they make any comparisons or, or shared their thoughts on, on when HB2 and its impact on the state? Right. Well, actually, all of them made comparisons to HB2. And Deb Butler, the voice you heard at the beginning of this podcast, stated very clearly how damaging that was for North Carolina. You know... We saw what that did to North Carolina economically, what it did to North Carolina reputationally. Why would we ever want to go through that again? So it's likely not going to have any movement this session. Um, Speaker Moore indicated that, you know, he's hoping next session the Republicans may have a supermajority, be able to introduce legislation like this that's veto-proof. But that just kind of goes back to what some of the lawmakers criticized it for as being just political messaging meant to incite their base. So Representative Marsha Moray, who's out of Durham, uh, called this a political messaging bill. Um, She said there's absolutely no point to this. It's trying to fix a problem that isn't there. And it's just to gain political points. 
tell us about the the five people, where they're you know from, what uh, who they represent, and just anything that they. I mean, obviously, people should of course read your story anyway, but anything that you <laughs> want to share about who they are personally and and what's important to them. Right. So this is a really interesting group of people. So we have Representative Marsha Moray, like I mentioned. Uh, She's out of Durham. She's a former judge and Olympic swimmer. Uh, Then we've also got Representative Vernetta Alston out of Durham, former Durham City Council member. Um, We've got Representative Cecil Brockman out of High Point. Uh, He's a legislator who uh, came out actually as bisexual following the departure of the only remaining gay member of the General Assembly. And at that moment, he felt that he needed to come out so that uh, LGBT people knew that there was representation in the state legislature. And Brockman really mentioned how personal this legislation is being a LGBTQ member of the legislature. And this is what he had to say about that. When these type of issues um, arise, it hits us a little bit harder you know like we we feel it because it actually is affecting us yeah. uh we've also got representative deb butler uh out of i believe new hanover county and uh if uh some listeners remember representative butler was the one who in 2019 following the uh overturning of the governor's veto of the budget Representative Butler was the one who got up and gave a speech that went viral in which she said she would not yield um, because at that moment, the most of the Democratic members were under the impression that the session would not have any votes and were not present in the chambers. And I think that's... We've also got Representative Allison Dahl, uh, who is out of Raleigh, and um, one of her main priorities is having legislation to protect disabled people. Dahl is interesting. Um, she's easy to spot on the floor. There's mm-hmm. 120 people in the House, so some of them you know, dress similarly or have kind of the same, you know, some suits. And, you know, maybe if some people are older and have gray hair, there's a variety of ages, but there are a lot of older lawmakers. Doll's hair is pink. So if you're ever looking for her, um, you can usually spot her pretty easily. She's also, I would say, one of the um, friendliest House members um, for the public, for reporters, and really both sides of the aisle. Did she talk about at all about working with um, of course, not just Democrats in her own party. And I, I think you, if you didn't mention this already, all of the out LGBTQ members are, are Democrats. Uh, but she also works on um, legislation with Republicans, too, right? Yeah. So she said, you know, obviously it's a little difficult for her at times to work with people who support causes that she doesn't agree with that are very personal to her, like HB2 or this this parents rights bill. But at the same time, she said, you know, I was elected here to do a job to represent the people of my district. And like Dawn said, she's become known for working quite well with the other side of the aisle. All right. Well, um, be sure to read Kyle's story. I'm putting a spotlight on these five interesting uh, lawmakers here in North Carolina during Pride Month or or any time of year. Uh, Deb Butler, as you mentioned, is a good segue to what else we're talking about. Um, my favorite topic, the state budget. Uh, so Butler, as, as Kyle mentioned, was the one who said, you know, I will not yield and, and got into it with Speaker Moore when the House held an override vote because they had the numbers in the chamber um, at that time because most Democrats didn't think there were going to be votes and didn't show up, but the Republicans did. But the Senate never called the vote and they didn't um, override um, successfully in both chambers Cooper's um, veto of the budget. So that's a segue into the past years of state budget drama. That's not what's happening this year. And those of us in the press corps, I know the lawmakers themselves, are all kind of like, 
what? Because it, it does seem to be happening. And I write a story about every other week that's like, yeah, they're moving along. I think this is actually going to happen. As I mentioned in one of our Under the Dome newsletters, you should subscribe to our Under the Dome newsletter too, that in normal states, you pass a state budget and it starts with the fiscal year, July 1st. And North Carolina hasn't really been that way for a while. But knock on wood, it might actually happen this session. So as you're listening to this on Monday the 20th, or if you're off on Monday for um, the Juneteenth observed holiday and are listening to this on Tuesday, about this time is when Speaker Moore and Senate Leader Berger are going to meet and hash out exactly the amount of tax cuts that they want to agree on. It's probably going to be some sort of recurring tax cut is it going to be one-time money like the Democrats have proposed of some sort of gas tax rebate? They haven't outruled it, so it, it could show up. We'll find out sometime within the next week, we hope. Um, they all agree on giving some sort of raise to state employees and to teachers. How much is that going to be? That's probably going to be a lot of their conversation. If you follow the North Carolina House and Senate the past couple of years, the Senate likes faster and higher tax or more tax cuts and the House wants to give people more money, so they usually meet in the middle somewhere. The House and Senate have been a little weird, different tracks this session. Usually the Senate is the chamber of no, the House will throw a bunch of stuff at them, and the Senate says no, no, no. Now it's kind of the opposite. The Senate passed Medicaid expansion, medical marijuana, that Parents' Bill of Rights bill that you mentioned, and the House isn't really doing anything with it, so they're kind of the chamber of no. So we'll see how that pans out with the budget negotiation. So about the time that you all are listening to this, Berger and Moore will have likely already sat down and talked and are working out those things. And then they're going to talk to Governor Cooper in the next few days. And maybe by the end of the week, we'll know exactly what these amounts are. And then a week later, they'll vote and they'll pass a budget and Cooper likes it and they sign it into law and everybody gets raises. We shall find out. So that wraps up our what's going on portion. We will take a break and then we'll be back with headliner of the week. Shipping can make or break a sale. So optimize how you ship your orders with ShipStation. They make it easy to automate and manage orders no matter how big your business grows. And they might even be able to help reduce shipping and warehouse costs. So optimize and keep up your momentum for growth with ShipStation. Sign up for your free 60-day trial now at ShipStation.com and use the code P-O-D. That's ShipStation.com with the code P-O-D. And we're back with Headliner of the Week, which we brought back a few months ago on the podcast by listener request, and we just liked it also. So this is where we share Headliner of the Week that it could be something big and serious. Sometimes it's a little bit lighter. It always has a news hook. So I'll give you my Headliner of the Week. My Headliner is Historic Capitals, Earlier this past week, the North Carolina House, not the Senate, just the House, we mentioned how they are a little different with each other this session, decided to hold session in the state capitol building in the center of downtown Raleigh under a dome. If you all wonder why we're called under the dome, it's because it goes way back to when lawmakers actually met there all the time instead of occasionally for ceremonies. So, and not just that historic capital, I had a lot of FOMO because I was out of town in Colonial Williamsburg, which literally at the same time, I was visiting the very old Virginia state capital site uh, over in Williamsburg. So historic capitals, that's my headliner of the week. And also the tour guide for uh, that Williamsburg capital is from none other, none other than 
Kinston, North Carolina. So we still talked about North Carolina politics in Virginia. So the Star Capital is my headliner. Kyle, what's your headliner of the week? I actually have Dawn to thank for my headliner of the week, and that headliner is the lemon chicken soup in the legislative building cafeteria. Before I even started this internship, I saw, I followed North Carolina politics on Twitter, and the one thing that I remembered the most was Dawn tweeting about the lemon chicken soup in the cafeteria of the legislative building. So I knew once I started here, I had to try it. And let me tell you, it did not disappoint. <laughs> That's saying a lot for, I mean, keep in mind it's cafeteria food. And I'll give the hat tip to Associated Press reporter Gary Robertson, who um, tipped me off that, uh, that the lemon chicken soup was actually pretty good for the variety of things here. So, yeah, welcome to uh, NCGA land and, and appreciation for that. It's a warm welcome. I would, if we don't vote on headliner of the week anymore, but I think I'd like to vote on your headliner. I think it was better than mine. So, all right. Well, (laughs) I hope you enjoyed listening to us and you'll hear more from uh, me, of course, as always, and and Kyle Ingram this summer. I'm Don Vaughn from the News and Observer. Thanks for listening. For more from our politics team, subscribe to the News and Observer at newsobserver.com slash subscribe. Follow us on Twitter at Under the Dome and NC Insider and sign up for our weekly political newsletter, also called Under the Dome, at newsobserver.com slash newsletters. Thanks for listening.